As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're not special. <laughs> and I'm tired of your Welcome to the future where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses, where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is known and a new future is born. Never before in history has so much meant so little to so many. AD on the radio. You know, the show's going to be taking a little break, or I'm going to be taking a little break. And this isn't planned. This wasn't on purpose. This wasn't something that I necessarily knew was coming. I mean, I knew it was going to be coming at some stage, but... Oh, no! The t- <laughs> I'll be back. The timeline has been a little bit accelerated on this break. See, what happened? What happened was my father, who, as we've discussed a couple times on the show, you may or may not have heard, has been living in different parts of Europe for the last years, the last several years. And... Uh, Uh, He's lived in Kosovo, and now he lives in Austria. And he needs to have uh, needs to have he needs to have a procedure done. Now, this is something like I said we knew was coming for a long time, and it was one of those things where I was just like, I have to be there with him for it for a couple of reasons. One, you don't want your father coming home from the hospital in a town where he doesn't know anyone and being alone in his apartment. That's just not something I can handle the idea of two if everything goes well there's going to be a significant upside for my dad significant upside for my dad in that well he could get big chunk of his life back that he hasn't been as enjoying as much as he had hoped he would over the last 10 years i don't want to go into too much detail about this suffice to say that my dad is a tough guy my dad is a tough guy with an unbreakable will and has been an inspiration in that way with regard to how he's approached health and life and just rolling up your sleeves and getting after it no matter what is placed in your way over the last 10 years. And it's one of those things where you want to you wanna be there because it's your father and you don't want him to go through something like this alone. But also I want to be there because, well, it'll give me a chance to celebrate in what I hope will be a huge victory for him. That is the payoff to 10 years of setting your goals and just getting after it. If there is any time you are given a no by a doctor, anytime anybody tells you that there isn't hope, if there is any time that anybody tells you to accept what you're handed and that things aren't going to be better, any better than that. I'd point to my point to my dad as evidence to the complete opposite and the force of your will being something that can pull you forward into things that everyone around you is saying can't be done. So this thing that he's having done, like I said, knew it was going to happen. But it was one of those things that was going to happen eh, maybe a little further off in the future. And the timeline got moved up a little bit aggressively recently. And so I'm going away for like a week and a day, I think. I'll be back. It'll be a shorter break than we took at Christmas. But just FYI, that's what's up. And I'll be checking in from, uh, from Austria 
You're working on your accent then, yes? Yeah, well, no, I like, I'm not going to try and do the accent until I meet the people. You meet people um, with accent then, yes? Maybe, yeah, probably. Although, here's the thing about the rest of the world. Like, if I have one huge source of shame as I make my way through life, it's that I'm only fluent in one language. I can kind of get by in Spanish, but the rest of the world speaks English like you wouldn't believe. The rest of the world all is, you know, outside of America, so many places, so many just people think it's the norm to be trilingual that it makes me go, I really, yeah, (laughs) this is pathetic that um, English and broken Spanish. My English isn't even that great a lot of the time. Uh, and I communicate. I talk for a living. My English isn't even that great. <laughs> but it's a huge source of shame to me that um, I don't speak a, a second language fluently. And I'm sure that I'll probably be able to go to Austria and have people speak perfect English to me without a hint of an accent. They'll probably sound like Fraser, Like, no real accent. Don't know exactly <laughs> where you're from. But you sound natural speaking the language. <laughs> What's that called? A mid-Atlantic thing where you've got no defining attributes to your voice? That's what I expect to encounter in Austria. So I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be checking in when I can. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's not the point of the story. I suppose that's an explanation. But the real story is what came after I found out that this was going to happen. When you find out you got to go somewhere in a hurry... And you realize that your passport, your birth certificate, and your social security card have all gone missing and you're trying to leave the country. Well, that puts you in a bit of a pickle where you got to go to Uncle Sam and be like, Da, I got some stuff I need to take care of quickly. Can you help? Could they help? Hmm. Fire ants and free thoughts. All the comforts of what we call home. This is KPRC AM 950. Real Texas. Real talk. Where the left and right come together for fundamental truths. AD on the radio. On Twitter at ADSXE. So as you and I were discussing earlier, I got to leave the country for a little bit. My dad is having this thing done. And, you ain't you know, want it, is you? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but my dad needs this thing done and I got to go be with my dad because he's in a foreign country. And you know, look, I, I don't, I'm not trying to overplay the severity of this situation. But it's just one of those things. You, you want to be there for your father in this time. You don't want him coming back from the hospital uh, to his apartment and being alone after some of this nature. And the other thing is, like, if this goes well, and I have high hopes that it will, and I think he does and his doctors do, and I think it's going to be – it'll represent a real win because it will give him something back in his life that he's been missing for a while. You know, he's going to be able to live life in a fuller, better, more awesome manner. And that's great. And I want to be there to celebrate with him. You might not fall in love with Austria and never come back like they do. Oh, man. Austria is beautiful. I've been there before. Like, it is uncommonly beautiful. Like, it's just, yeah. No, that that part of the world is is really, really nice. I'm I'm really happy that I get to see, you know, where my dad's been living and working for a while. And I get to see and meet the people that he's been working with. Like, that's important stuff. Like, you know, I got to say, as much as we rail against Zuckerberg... In general, being like, ah, freaking Facebook is responsible for the downfall of the human condition. Ah, Efferberg, as we so lovingly call him off the air. Um, I got to tell you, that Facebook Messenger thing has revolutionized my relationship with my dad. You know, I can just call him up clear as day. And it's great. Like, it's a significantly better quality call than and hashtag not a spokesman but like the facebook messenger thing significantly better quality call than uh, skype used to be better call quality than an actual phone used to be or a cell connection used to be it's it's unsettlingly clear it's unsettling how much it sounds like he's in the next room when i'm talking to him over this thing and we're able to video chat and i have a much better sense of you know his life and as he's getting ready to go to bed and i'm just waking up oftentimes as i'm walking millhouse uh we'll just have a quick phone call and we weren't able to do that we were not able to do that for many years but i can just call my dad and that's awesome but as much as sort of technology has helped bridge the gap of distance with family members in that way there's no substitute for being there being in the same room as someone 
seeing the things that they see every single day to get an understanding of how their life is. And so I'm excited to be able to do that. You know, it's it's not a, it's not a vacation by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, these are the upsides. This is the part that I'm looking for. You better see to. a waterfall or something, too. I hope so. I, I really do. Anyways, so I'm going to go do that. But when you need to leave the country in a hurry, what do you do? You go, I'm going to grab my passport. And then you go to grab your passport and you went, ooh, in the last move, some stuff not went missing. Day. Yeah, some stuff went missing. I, I still don't know how this happened. And, you know, you got to report all this stuff to the proper authorities. And, well, I... I <laughs> I haven't apparently taken out any loans on Ferraris in foreign countries, so I don't think my identity's been stolen. I think I might have a, an issue with a moving company, but I, it, bottom line is, go to find my passport, not there. Need a new passport. Bah! Social security card, birth certificate, this is missing too. These are the things that you need to get a passport. In a hurry. So, what do I do? I go to my Uncle Sam and say, hey, this is a situation I got to get out of the country and I got to get out of the country in a rush and it has to do with my father and his health. This is important to me. I've paid taxes for many, many years, um, diligently, dutifully, don't agree with it, but I do it all the time. So this is the thing, this is the thing that I'm going to need your help with. And it's not even, it is not even that the people that I was dealing with were rude or anything of that nature, but I would ask them questions and they wouldn't know the answers. And these are questions that I was able to answer myself with a simple Google search. I stood in line for four hours at a passport office only to be turned away because the person on the phone (laughs) didn't tell me everything that I would need. Oh, such a Costanza moment right now. It was such a freaking Costanza moment. I was like, you got you to be kidding me. And I, you know, look, I'm not necessarily the most organizationally adept person. So it being time to put on your big boy pants and deal with a real adult situation where you got to go see your dad in a foreign country and you got to do it now. I made a very diligent checklist with the person on the phone, went through it over and over again. I was like, I got all my stuff. This is, this is okay, cool. Um, hey, is there any way... Is there any way uh, you can tell me how long this wait's going to be? No, we don't know, but I'm guessing you'll be in and out of there in like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, freaking great. Great. Four-hour wait. Four-hour wait in the middle of a workday because you can't go on the weekend. Only get to the front of the line and realize that the person that I'd spoken to, who, you know, in some way, shape, or form, whose salary I pay with my taxes, had given me wrong information. There's just the whole thing. And then, you know, you Google it and you go, I, I would have been better off Googling it than waiting on hold on on the phone to talk to an official person, a member of our government that is paid to help me in this situation and is supposed to get me all, uh, knowledge of the things that I will need to make this a done deal. You're fired! Couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Mind effing boggled. And, you know, it really made me think about this. I wound up going through a third party. I had to pay a third party hundreds of dollars to get this situation sorted out. And the third party, this is all they do all day. Passport expediting service. And they dealt with it. They dealt with it. But the only reason I had to spend... I don't know, hundreds more dollars getting this done was because the people that we pay to do it already, i.e. our government, whose salaries are paid by our taxes, were clueless, didn't know stuff I found on a Google search. Oh, wait, there's more. Real Radio. Real Radio. 104.1. Don't get the blues. Get all the news. We mean all the news. Guys out there in Radio Land. All aboard! He's back. AD on the radio. Give it up, yeah. Give it up, yeah. Bring this on, bring this on. Come on, come on. So... 
I'm trying to get my passport sorted out. Government employees whose salaries are taxes paid couldn't give me information that I found later on a Google search. They wasted hours of my time. And not only that, they made it increasingly difficult to get the passport that I so desperately need to get out of the country to be able to be with my father in a very, very important time. This is real life stuff. There's some things in life that you're willing to let slide. If you have employees, ah, you know, they, they effed up, but, well, thank gosh it wasn't something important. Let's just hope they've got it together when the big moment comes. Well, for me, this is one of the big moments. And I know I'm not special. I know I'm no different to other taxpayers. I know we all have to stand in line waiting for our passport. I'm fine with that. However... The fact that I had to go to a third-party company to do something that the government couldn't even instruct me on properly. The people that make the rules couldn't tell me the rules. We made the rules, but we are unable to dispense them to you in a manner that's going to allow you to navigate this system. The fact that I had to go to a third party to get this dealt with and pay hundreds of extra dollars made me think about your relationship with government. See, I think so often, until moments like these happen, so often, you forget, you forget who, who's the person signing the paychecks. Well, that would be you. And I can't think of a single other situation other than government where the person who's getting paid is in charge. You're going to give me your money, and I'm going to make the rules. I'm not going to play by them. I won't be able to tell you what those rules are, but you're going to give me money, and I'm going to decide how things are going to go. Absolute lunacy. Absolutely freaking crazy. And that's our government every single day, wildly inefficient, taking every cent that they're going to take out of your paycheck that you're never going to see again. And let you deal with it and pick up the pieces and go hire a third-party company spending your own additional hard-earned money because the government is unable to uh, take your taxes and do what they said they were going to do with them. And it was a great reminder. It was a frustrating reminder, but it was a great reminder. Especially as we get into April. Especially as all of us are about to get bent over by Uncle Scam at tax time. It's a great reminder of just how backward a system is where the person that pays the money doesn't get the satisfaction of knowing that money is well spent, doesn't get the satisfaction of knowing what happened to that money even, doesn't get the satisfaction of knowing that you're paying for a service that you're going to get. Someone comes over to clean your carpets, they leave a spot, you call them back, they redo it. And if not, you file a complaint because they're in the wrong, you're right. You pay somebody to look after you in a situation where you're going to need expedited documents and uh, they can't give you the right sort of information and uh, they go, oh, well, too bad, so sad, I'm sorry, I guess you got to figure it out. It'll involve standing in more lines and we're going to tell you where that line is um, and lots of luck with that. No, so messed up. And you have had your experience with this like every single one of us. Every single one of us has had a moment where they go, government sucks at doing anything. They don't care and they're not good at their jobs. But it's good to get a brass tax reminder of that situation. For me, before I clawed my way up to middle management in corporate America and became an assistant program director <laughs> and all the things that I am now, I was self-employed. As a musician, you're self-employed. When you're in a band, you got to do your own taxes. Leaving a bunch of kids in a punk rock band up to do their own taxes, that's a recipe for financial disaster. That's no good. But, but... The one thing that it does allow you to do is write a big check in April because if no one's taking money out of your check every single month, little by little over time, you don't really notice it. It's like poke, 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 ouch, eh, poke, poke, ouch, ouch, poke, poke. Okay, we're done. But if it's not 12 little pokes, 12 little fiscal pokes, 12 little financial needlings over the course of a year, if it is instead one giant hammer and they come up and smash you in the face with it and go... You know all the money that you've worked so hard for all year long? We're going to need about one-third to one-half of that. 
then you remember to remain angry. And so many people, so many people forget. So many people forget who's paying who, who should be in charge, who could be holding who accountable. So many people are just like, oh, whatever. It's just I, the day's too long. I've got too much going on. I should complain about this. No. Remember to stay angry. Remember to stay angry. Remember to ask for accountability from the people that you pay. You didn't get a choice in who your employees were. You were allowed to make a suggestion via your vote, but ultimately you don't decide who you hire. So if you're going to just take someone that was really somebody else's idea and just kind of be forced to deal with that, hold them accountable. Use your voice. Stand up in mass when it's necessary. But never forget, never forget, you pay these people. And it's not unfair for you to ask for what you're owed in these situations. All right, Funkhauser, let me ask you this. How many times have you met your idols? You ever met any oh idols? Oh my gosh, my idols? Almost yeah. every day. Really? I mean, look at look at where I am. I'm surrounded in, you know, uh, ground central of radio in Los Angeles. And every, just about every day I meet somebody that, well, not every day. Once a week, mm. you know, mm. on the average. There's been times where I'd had an opportunity to meet a couple of idols. I don't I really get geeked idols. out about too many things, but... I was actually advised not to on several occasions. And now, you know, sometimes it's our job to interview some of our idols. Like when Chuck D came on the show, that was a big day for me. Like Chuck D shaped various facets of my life, not only as a musician. If it wasn't for Chuck D, I never would have thought that I could maybe rap a little bit. And if I never thought that maybe I could rap a little bit, I never would have stopped playing drums and picked up a microphone. I never would have gotten a record deal. I never would have come to America. I never would have toured the world. I never would have lost my record deal, be left in the dust and gone, oh, what the hell am I supposed to do with my life now? And gone, okay, radio. Like, the trajectory of my life was directly affected by Chuck D, a man whose work I admire like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, there were times back in the day when I was still in a band where I was like, I, Chuck D, apparently, like, we could do a meeting. He could do a remix for us or something like that. And people were like, don't do it. Don't meet your idols. Don't lose that magic. And I was advised not to do it. Now, when Chuck D was on the show, obviously, it's a slightly different dynamic when you're meeting than when you're meeting someone one-on-one and trying to, like, just hang out. He's here for a purpose, to be interviewed. We're here to interview him. And as it turns out, it was one of the great ones. Lived up to every expectation I had, and I was glad that I met him. But I've always been a little cagey about whether or not it's a good idea to meet your idols or people that influenced you or set you on a path. Here's Jay Farrow talking about meeting Eddie Murphy. I met Eddie Murphy, man. I met Eddie Murphy, man. I was at the, I was at the uh, SNL 40th. I was with Louis C.K. And I was standing there with Louis C.K. And I looked over and I caught Ed from the corner of my eye. And I was like, yo, Lou, is that Ed over there? He takes me over there to Eddie Murphy, right? And then Eddie Murphy's like, he goes, Eddie Murphy goes just like this. He goes, uh, Ed, this is Jay Farrow. He's a big fan of yours. And um, here he is. And Eddie Murphy looked at me with no hesitation. He was just like, oh, yeah, Jay Fair, I know exactly who the hell you are, Jay Fair. I know who you are, Jay Fair. I know who you are right now. You know what I'm saying? I know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just something about your Will Smith impression. That's amazing. Every time you do that, I just ask myself, how does he do that? <laughs> so amazing. Oh, yeah. Keep up the good work. I love it. Keep up the good work. You keep up the good work. That's amazing. You just keep up your good work. You keep doing your thing. Uh, I don't think it could have gone any better for Jay Farrow. Hopefully, if we get a chance to meet our idols, it goes an awful Mm. lot like that. Um, Let's do some news. I always just dork out in front of them. Oh, really? Hold on. Wait, wait. What stories do you have? Have you ever awkwardly dorked out in front of someone that you really hoped it would go well with? Yeah, you know that Chris Hansen guy? The, the Predator guy? To Catch a Predator Dateline guy? Now he's on like a... To Catch a Predator guy is your... Is, is I wouldn't he- call him an idol, but I worked with him, and I I asked him if he wanted some coffee, and he goes, "That would be fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That, that would I'd, be fine." I could not stop laughing because of the way he said "fine." That would be fine. That would be fine. Why don't you have a seat? You know, it's interesting. the The expression "fine" is uh, is it. It can cause some cultural distance between people. Now, I don't know what the origin of Chris Hansen's fine is, but I will tell you that my dad, who speaks with kind of like me, he's an English guy that has an American accent, although really 
his uh, his his accent is much less pronounced. It's more sort of like this broad Englishy European. He definitely lived in America type thing. But we have some funny expressions that the rest of America doesn't necessarily understand. And like my dad, when something is just freaking great, he'll be like, "Oh, very fine, excellent, v- very fine." You know, how's the how's the how's the chicken, Dad? Very fine. Hmm. Or sometimes he'll just shorten it to fine. You know, like, which sounds, if you're an American, and you go, how's the chicken we made for you? And he goes, fine. Oh. It sounds like, it's just okay, get off my back. Like, there's, so there's this weird, there's this weird yeah. cultural divide when it comes to usage of the word fine. And I wonder which side of that Chris Hansen fell down into. Like, would you like some coffee? Know. That would be fine. Meaning something else would be better. I'm not going to tell you what that something else is, but coffee would be fine. Fine. I'll take your coffee. Fine. <laughs> Which do you think it is? Did he have a, a note of disdain in his voice for you and your coffee when you offered just, it to him? I think just me offering Chris Hansen a beverage um, and have asking him to have a seat right there ask, and asking him how he would like coffee, his coffee. He was like, yeah. A little cream sugar, well, did you, well, hold on. Fine. Did you give him the coffee? He took a sip and you went, how's your coffee? And he went, fine? No, no. I or, asked him how he wanted it. And, uh, cream and, and he said he wanted it fine? fine. Like, fine. Oh, okay. That would be fine. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because like fine, just, you know, if you're my dad, fine means like, oh, fantastic. But if you're the rest of the world, specifically those of us in America, fine means like you could have done better. You know, Unless you're like, like a hottie. It's like, damn, you fine. Well, right, that's obviously that a different. Yeah, that's that's where the vernacular has evolved even further. We're like, <laughs> fine. Uh, I remember. I remember once. I remember once, uh, like a. Uh, I was at a show and a girl hit on me. Like I, I was in a band. I was at a show and like and this girl hit on me and like it was just she was. It was, she was really young, and obviously nothing was going to happen, but it just made me laugh so hard. It made me laugh so hard. It was a fan, and it was like, hey, this is really cool. Um, you, you get into this weird area when you're in a band, when, especially when you've just played a show, where you feel as though, or people feel as though you're some sort of public property, meaning they'll walk up to you and because they paid a ticket to see your show. And I guess I can see the logic in this idea. They sort of feel as though you're their property. I paid some money to see you perform. Now you're hanging out and signing autographs. Therefore, this is part of my ticket price. And I get to kind of say things to you that I wouldn't ordinarily say to somebody in the street. (laughs) This girl is probably like 14 years old. Like this adorable little dorky girl walked up to me and went, if you got a parking ticket, it would say fine all over it. I was in hysterics. I was like, "Uh, take that away to some other 14 year old. But that's very funny. And you're going to give your parents trouble moving forward. Yep, the word fine has many different connotations now. But I wonder, and I guess we'll never know, what Chris Hansen meant when you offered him coffee and he said, that would be fine. fine. So that's not like a giant bummer when you, like, he wasn't really an idol. He just kind of treated you a little unusually. But like, have you ever had a horrible, embarrassing moment with an idol that you've met? Oh my God, the best one. I don't have time to tell you now, but it involves Tom Green. What? Oh, it was bad. Really? Oh, it was it was awful. And I didn't know it was awful. I didn't notice that my tact was incredibly off when I referenced something on television and said a said a sentence and all of my friends groaned. But, uh, <laughs> uh, well, hold I just on. How many more information? How, how many I'll segments do we have after this? We got two uh, more. How All right, we'll discuss how Funkhauser absolutely put his foot in it when he met his idol was Tom fine. Green next. I'm going to guess it really wasn't. Well, not fine. Yeah, buddy, rolling up an H-Town, always hot enough to do with the top down. Cool breeze, palm trees, tonight it's all good in the 713. Now, 
more AD on the radio. All righty then, Funkhauser. Okay. We're discussing meeting your idols and having it go badly. Yeah. You idolize, and you know what? It makes perfect sense to me that you idolize Tom Green. Like, Tom Green was essentially a precursor to Jackass. He came up with this idea of doing this gonzo prank-style television that involved him getting hurt a lot and falling over and things of that nature. And then Jackass came along, improved upon it, and uh, made bazillions and bazillions of dollars. And it, to me, is hilarious and perfectly fitting that you would be a giant fan of the overlooked precursor of that. Not that Tom Green isn't totally up in the game and doing tons of things that are really, really cool. He was a leader in the digital space. He realized, hey, with an internet connection, I don't have to go to a studio. With an internet connection, I don't have to go to a broadcasting company. With an internet connection, I can just be Tom Green and my fans can appreciate it and that'll be it. Like He's way, way ahead of the curve in so many different ways. But to me, He's just a little left of center. He's outside of the establishment. He's a little goofy. He's not quite as palatable as some of his competition for that space. And it makes perfect sense to me that super producer to the stars, Barry Funkhauser, considers him his idol. And also, it seems, it seems to make sense. Far. It seems to make sense somehow that you blew it with you the totally guy. Totally blew it. Okay. What'd so you do? I happened to run into him in the world, in the real world. Okay. This is before oh, okay. I started working with him, too. This is a, a well, what few were you years doing? ago. I was at a bar on a Sunday, and he was smoking an e-cig, and I said, hey, that's not a real cigarette, and had a real co- whole conversation with before I realized it was him. I was like, oh, you're Tom Green. Look at that. And uh, one thing led to another. I had a group of people with me. I invited him to my house, which was a couple of blocks away, and he showed up with a couple Wait, of Tom his Green friends. came over to your came place? Came over to my house. Well, first and foremost, I got to tell you, I, I have to tell you that the way you go through life is, I think probably it's good because you're open to possibility. Like if someone <laughs> was smoking an e-cig in a bar and I didn't know what the hell they were putting in their mouth, I wouldn't walk up to him and go like, hey, that's not a real cigarette. I would say to myself, that's not a real cigarette. Turn around, keep to myself, and none of the above would have happened. I would have gone home. Tom Green wouldn't have come over to my place. But because you're this gregarious, outgoing person that sees the world as infinite possibility, mm. which you eventually apparently screw up. Um, also, like, it was, it was, I didn't just get to the bar also. Come on. You're, you're, oh, okay. So alcohol was involved. Mm. So. So through uh, through your acceptance of possibility and the fact that you were drinking inebriating adult beverages that day, um, something happened. So Tom Green shows up at your house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's that like? We're jamming. I got a friend that knows how to play guitar, so he starts playing guitar, and Tom starts singing. And what? We're all having fun. There's you know a, a bunch of ladies there because I had a female roommate that was also a um, a pole instructor. <laughs> So the environment was just right. Okay? By the way, this this like, you know, in the past, we have talked about this on the show, how this is why Funkhauser, I can't tell stories because they go Funkhauser, so many different ways. Well, no, Funkhauser is like you've done a significant amount of work in the adult entertainment field, not as a performer, not as somebody that oils people up or fluffs anybody. No, you've been part of like you know, different different adult entertainment companies have had broadcasting initiatives. And when they need a super producer, who do they call? None other than super super producer to the stars, Barry Funkhauser, to get this stuff produced. But you have access to this world that has made it so your stories that you like case in point. We were talking about this on the show a year ago, and this really gave me an idea of where Funkhauser's life was at. Hey, um, we're talking about the Mile High Club. That ever happened to you, Funkhauser? No. And then off the air, he was like, oh, I totally forgot. No, that did happen to me. I was like, no kidding. Where? When? How? He's like, well, I was on this private jet with a porn star, and I was like, hold on, you had an experience of an adult nature with a porn star on a private jet, and that I told you off the air. Well, we talked about it on the air since, but like you know, you said I I forgot you like oh yeah, so many things, so many things that have there's so many things that have happened in your life that would be the story that the rest of us would tell in a bar till the end of our days. Oh man. 
I, I know you've heard this story before. We know we've heard this story before too, but tell it. Tell it again. You want to tell the one about the, uh, the adult film star and the private jet? Okay, I'll tell that. Gather around. And that would be a story that people would tell for the rest of their lives. You forgot it. Mm. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, stuff like that is so commonplace in your life. So to recap the craziness that is Funkhauser's life. You're hanging out, jamming with a bunch of friends after a night at the bar, and there's a ton of hot chicks there because your roommate happens to be a pole dance instructor, and who should show up but the guy you met at the bar earlier, current star of MTV, Tom Green. Continue. and well, just understand that, at the time. That, that just understand that the setup to this story is something that none of us will ever experience. But please, Tom Green gets there. You're all singing. You're all jamming. Tom Green starts singing. Your hot roommate and her hot friends are hanging out. What next? Mm-hmm. And pretty much everyone from the bar showed up. And okay. So we had a I, we had a little lull. The guitarist stopped playing, and I went, "Oh, I better put something on TV." So I find VH1 Classic, and what's there but a uh, classic Saturday Night Live reruns, and who's hosting but a young woman named Drew Barrymore? Ah. Now I didn't really. I, My celebrity I crush, by the way. wasn't up to speed on right. the personal lives of these two people, so I said, uh-huh. hey, didn't you used to do her? <laughs> and hadn't he just gone through a very painful divorce? Uh, he was currently going through. Oh, he was in the middle. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no, so I, fuck out So then everyone groaned, and I said, What? As- what what is everyone upset about? Uh, the entire room groaned thinking, like all thinking. the Democrats last. Uh, <laughs> like the entire room groaned, not unlike the Democrats during last night's joint session, or the night before his joint session when uh, when I Donald think, Trump announced his new task force to deal with victims of. And I was going around crime. saying, "What we're guys, we should be able to talk about our past relationships, right?" Uh huh. Yeah. Rather <laughs> than going. Rather than going, oh my bad, I'm sorry. You yeah. decided to double down and make it so make it seem as though you were doing the right thing. <laughs> you, like rather than backpedaling, going, oh crap, so sorry, didn't know. How could I have known? I, I apologize. My bad. Mm-mm. No, no. What did you do? You went. You know what? No, I'm right. We should be able to talk about these things, guy. That I just met a couple seconds ago. The most painful things that you're going through in your life. We should be able to air those out right now because we've been drinking for a half hour. <laughs> oh, what'd you do? Real radio, 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 radio. 104.1. There's something happening here, and you should know what it is. <laughs> the dumbing up of America. Now, more AD on the radio. All right, so, to recap. in case you missed it, let me recap and paint a visual picture. Through a weird set of circumstances, Tom Green winds up at super producer to the stars, Barry Funkhauser's house. Now, this is several years ago, and... People are sort of like singing and dancing and laughing, and Tom Green was singing. What was Tom Green singing? Like, were you just doing covers? Oh, like, it, one, we of, were one of your buddies the, had a guitar. We were rocking in the free world. Oh, well, he's Canadian, mm-hmm. so is Neil Young. That makes perfect sense. So, like, Tom Green and you are are, are kumbayaing in your house, which is filled with people from the bar and also filled with your hot roommate, who's a pole dancing instructor, mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. of our hot pole dancing friends. And there's a lull in the action, so you switch on the TV, because what could be worse than being left to talk to one another in a social situation? Nothing, I tell you, nothing. So you decide to fill the dead air, like a true <laughs> radio personality, with something. You flip on the TV on VH1 Classic. There is a rerun of Saturday Night Live. Who's hosting it but Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore, much to Funkhauser's chagrin and ignorance, was going through a terrible divorce with Tom Green at the time. You didn't know this. You just knew that in some way, shape, or form, your current house guest, Tom Green, used to be connected to Drew Barrymore romantically. So you scream out at the top of your lungs, Hey, didn't you used to do her? (laughs) What happened then? Uh, Besides the noticeable groan. Well, I embraced it and I go, what? What's the matter? Uh, Shouldn't we be able to talk about our feelings and past relationships? Are we not men? 
And then what happened? And then the roommate, I guess, catches catches it, helps me out, and changes it. Hey, who wants some shots? Oh, so and, like Tom uh, Green didn't leave? I'm still standing there going, what? Huh? What's what? What's the <laughs> Still no, trying to leave. double on In on fact, the... Still trying to commit to the idea that you've done nothing wrong and convince other people, including the feel- like including the person whose feelings you hurt, that you did nothing wrong. I, to this day, <laughs> debate whether or not it was wrong because he hired it me was after wrong. that. He, he hired me after that. Well, yeah. No, I mean, I guess, like, you know. I did, yeah. <laughs> not only did it not not work, it worked. You know, I didn't even I did, need for it to work. Giant faux pas turned into unemployment. Remember me, I that guy that, hey... Would you like me as a producer? Oh, sure. I remember you. Yeah. You great. know, I, uh, I, I've got a very similar story. I've got a very similar story, not involving Tom Green, Drew Barrymore, or ignorance of someone's nasty divorce. But when my band was trying to get a record deal in England, what you do in those situations is, well, what we had was we had like a couple people, like I think like a a lawyer and some managers and a publishing company that thought we were this hot thing, we were this big success in England, and wouldn't that success translate incredibly in America? So we got to get you a record deal and get your record out here. And, you know, when you have, I guess, a little bit of a, a reputation preceding you, those folks are able to fill rooms full of people that may be interested in investing some money in you. So what we did was we went to New York and Los Angeles and showcased like you get on stage and you just go for it, you know, and and hope that someone goes, you know, that, that I'm looking for a band to sign. Here's some money. And uh, that that's what you do. And that's what we did. And, um, you know, part of uh, part of what the, my lawyer and my publishing company and all of the above had singled out about me uh, was my smart mouth on stage. You know, between songs, apparently I had good patter, good banter where I'd interact with members of the audience and uh, make fun of them. And then, you know, everything would be fine and people would have a couple laughs and we'd launch into the next song precipitated my radio career i suppose a little bit (laughs) see what i said there career like that's what it is but i'm doing this show and something goes wrong something something goes wrong and i'm like oh man the bass player's cabinet went out or something so i gotta i gotta kill a little time i got a second and a half on stage that's okay i can think on my feet i'm a sort of wise ass i can i know how to deal with this situation not not a problem so i scan the audience quickly and look for a conversation piece and i see this guy huge guy Huge guy that looks like, almost like a WWE wrestler, just because he's a big, big dude, and he's got big blonde hair, and this is a dude that could probably kill me with his thumb if he wanted to, and he's got big blonde hair in a mullet, you know, like not like a horrible business in the front party in the rear shave side sort of way but you know <clears throat> i'm desperate i'm sort of dying on stage because of a technical difficulty and this guy has uh this guy has shorter bangs and a longer back and i go that's a mullet i'm going to talk about that i'll be like hey freaking fantastic members of the wwe came out tonight and i proceeded to rip on this guy's mullet for like the next couple of minutes wow the base cab was getting fixed and uh afterwards afterwards my manager says to me hey that was a really great show I would like to introduce you to someone. And there's Mullet Guy. Mullet Guy is one of the biggest record executives and biggest record producers in the history of the world. A man who's worked with everyone from Mariah Carey to Celine Dion to Elton John and so on and so forth. Mullet Guy, the dude whose haircut I insulted from the stage and could have killed me if he'd wanted to, really liked our band and wound up participating in a bidding war and... and God love him. Like I'm, I, I'm so grateful for this guy in my life. Like we're still in touch to this day, and we've we, we've chatted every now and then. And whenever I get a chance to speak to him, I go, you know, there's so many things going on in my life. And if you hadn't believed in me when I was this punk ass kid and brought to me to America and signed my band, I none of it would have occurred. You know, there's so many people I feel that way about. They all played a slightly different role, but without them, I, I wouldn't be here today doing the thing that I love to do, hanging out, talking with you, and I'm so grateful for it that I try and express that gratitude whenever I can. So I express that gratitude to this guy You know, whenever we chat. I'm like, man, I'm here and I'm loving it, and it all really comes from the fact that you took a chance on me back in the day. And uh, that involved like getting in, like this was right as this sort of thing was dying out. But there was a big bidding war over my band and he paid a pretty penny to sign me <laughs> after I insulted his haircut. So, you know, I understand putting a foot wrong, Funkhauser. And uh, 
Sometimes <laughs> it works in your favor. That's all I'm saying. I, I guess it did. Like people, you know, how did you get your record deal? Well, came to America, met a record executive, insulted his haircut. He signed me. That's the story. That's how it went. So hmm. as much as I admonish you for your insensitivity to Tom Green's marital plight, I kind of get where you're coming from. So, like, it wound up. Did he hire you as a result of that? Like a random meeting in a oh, bar? Oh, I don't know that. I know that oh. you know later on. Um, you know, he, I, I, I was the on the first thirty episodes of this podcast. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so it was more fun for us because we had met each other in the real world. But like, did it? You know. Did that turn into a conversation of, hey, I'm, th- I'm thinking of starting a podcast. Do you know anything about this? We've been talking for a while. And no, but I'm sure making, I told. In between you making disparaging remarks about my failed marriage, I also understand that you work in radio. I could make mm-hmm. have use of your services. Or did you meet him later? And he went, oh, you're the guy that did that thing that was wildly inappropriate at that house party. <laughs> I probably mentioned at the house party that I was in radio. Uh-huh. So, you know, you uh-huh. didn't really have to look at the resume when I came uh-huh. around again. Uh huh. Well, there you go. That's how hey, I'm thinking about it. You can't argue with results. Do you think we could get Tom Green on the show? Oh yeah. Do you think he's got enough distance from that to talk about it? Be like, so tell me, Tom Green, how did you feel when Funkhauser <laughs> said that thing about your ex-wife know, who was currently on the TV? I don't know. Uh, I mean, now funny. you know. After the fact, now that I knew it was a little bef- uh, a little funk paw, that a little funk paw. That now I'm really. Like worried about it. Like I want to. Next time I see him, sorry, I'm sorry I said that. Years later, when I realize it was a little funk paw, little funk paw. I'm over it. It's cool. weird. It's got to be weird, you know. Date like Christian James Hand. Christian James Hand, our, our friend that's been on the show a couple times. This sort of like L.A. Generation X Renaissance guy, a record producer that's made these really great albums. He worked with the guys in the Mowgli's and so many more artists. And he uh, has also been a guy that's been out on tour with uh, the Grave Diggers and worked with some of the founding heroes of hip hop back in the day. And he's really kind of led an interesting and checkered life. And it's good, good times when he gets on the radio with us. But like, we're just chatting, known this guy for the better part of 10 years and come to find out that he makes some passing reference about having dated famous people. And we're like, okay, sure. What famous people have you dated? And he was like, well, uh, there, there was this chick from, what was the show? Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was like the winner of America's Next Top Model, mm-hmm. the one that was with uh, the, the Brady guy. And they had their own reality show about that. And after she was done being married to the Brady guy, she dated our friend Christian mm-hmm. and... Uh, then did he say the other one on Mm-mm. on the air? Mm-mm. Did he? Are, are you sure? Mm, I'm you, not. I sure, think he did. I'm not positive. No, when you're not sure. Ah, uh, okay. I should like. He he he. Yeah. No, it was crazy. But he's dated some of the most. Well, I mean, the other two are kind of. You might not necessarily know who they were if you saw them in the street, like the America's mm-hmm. Next Top Model chick and the one from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The other one that he's been with has. Is has been for the last twenty or so years one of the most famous and recognizable people on the planet, <laughs> and it's got to be strange. It has to be a little bit odd when you're trying to get over someone, and there they are on your TV, on your radio, li- like literally anywhere you go in the world. Christian James Hand is going to have a painful reminder of a relationship that he had with somebody incredibly well known, and which ended badly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's got to be weird. Got to be weird being in Tom Green's shoes. And like, I'm guessing that wasn't an isolated event. You know, like Tom Green walks down the street, Drew Barrymore's on a magazine, and someone goes, "I'm on your side, Tom." Mm-hmm. Second Charlie's Angels movie sucked. You know, like it's just got to be a strange, strange situation to have your relationship out there in public and look obviously you you choose a life you choose a life of entertainment you choose a relationship with another person in entertainment you're going to understand that there's going to be consequences and you're going to learn it's like it's got to be weird just has to be so weird and so so tough i don't know i would never thanks for making me feel bad several years later by the way oh no problem Mm. you know live with your shame open uh, wound yeah yeah good like happy Mm. opening up old wounds on the show do we have now that we've discussed uh your your funk paw from the past do we have any time for anything else on we the show We got like today? a couple minutes here, you know? Ah, a couple minutes. Oh, hey, I got a fun game. Mm. Have you heard of this band, Postmodern Jukebox? No. Postmodern Jukebox do, well, 
um, they do amazing covers of music, usually with like a 1930s to 1960s jazzy twist, and it's awesome. But here's the thing: if you don't understand, if you don't see the title. If you don't see the title, you might not know which song it is. So I'm going to play you a couple songs. You see if you can name which ones they are. This is an artist we were talking about on the show just the other day. (laughs) You know this? Uh Uh-uh. Hey, I was doing just fine before I met you. Like Mumford and Sons or something? No? Maybe you'll know when you get to the, the chorus. You tell your friends it was nice to meet them, but I hope I never see them again. Alright, do you know who it is now? Listen. I know it breaks your heart. Move to the city in a broke down car. Uh-uh. Who is it? It's, it's chain smokers. It's closer. Recognize it? Oh. This is a fun game. We should play this tomorrow on the show. I'm going to lose this game. This is a bad game. (laughs) All right. I'll I'll play you out on... Oh, hold on. Are we out of time? Yeah. Play us out. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for hanging out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.